But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hey buddies. Hey. Welcome to another episode of Season 11. This is Episode 8, The Trip Part 3. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And this is a long overdue sequel to the uh, the Trip Trilogy <laughs> of Seinfeld. Yeah, uh, from Season 4, I believe. Yeah. So, But it's a different trip. They're not going to LA this time. They're going to uh, Germany. So in this episode, uh, a brief synopsis. After George and Kramer have all experienced bad luck in previous episodes, Jerry brings all of them along to Germany, where he tries to repair his reputation on the continent with a European comedy tour. And you're probably wondering, reputation in Europe? Well, if you listen to, I think, episode three, the lopsided wig of season 11, Jerry upsets French people online by mistake. Yeah, so... So, uh this trip for Jerry serves two purposes, to be nice to his friends yes, and uh, hopefully be nicer to European people. Exactly. So, yeah, he's trying to repair the damage that uh, he caused by mistake yeah. at Les Miserables. <laughs> so, yeah, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know why. If not, then what are you doing here? Yeah, go back and listen. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Jerry is laying by the pool drinking a can of soda. He says, oh, life is grand. Kramer comes out of the pool house, where he lives, and says hello to Jerry. Kramer says, I'm off to get some chicken wire at the hardware store. You want anything? No, I'm good here. Why do you need chicken wire? Oh, I'm thinking of getting a couple of hens to put near the pool house. You can't beat freshly laid eggs. Uh, you know, this is my home. You should consult me before you turn this place into a menagerie. Jerry changes tact and runs a great offer through Kramer. So my European tour is coming up and my manager, he set up a private jet to fly me and some others that I want to bring along. So you want to come to Europe? Kramer enthusiastically accepts and asks when his tour is again. Jerry says they'll be leaving in two weekends time. I've never been to Europe. It will be quite the adventure. You know, just stay out of trouble and you should have a good time. Anyway, I was going to ask Elaine and George if they wanted to come as well. I know that the three of you have gone through some pretty rough times recently, so I thought a trip for a few weeks would, you know, cheer you up. Yeah, my vaping business is, shall we say, up in smoke. Turns out the licorice flavor was accidentally tainted with another chemical, hence customers hating it. Jerry takes out his cell and calls George first. George is at the movies as the trailers are playing before the film starts. He sees Jerry calling and answers the phone. He says, Jerry, what's up? Jerry tells him that the European tour is coming up and offers to take him. I know you've had a bad run with your bathroom podcast, George, so I thought you'd probably need a break. Oh, oh, the tour's only a couple of weeks away? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll come for sure, Jerry. Uh, I haven't been to Europe since Phoebe and I went to Paris several years ago. Oh, boy, was that wonderful. Are we going to Paris? I'm sure it was. We're leaving for Berlin first, uh, but then a limo will come get you from your house. We're doing the Paris leg a couple of days later. Oh, oh boy, Jerry, I can't wait. It's going to be swell. Other patrons shush George as his voice gets louder with excitement. He tells them all that it's fine to talk on the phone before the movie. It's the trailers! The turn off your phone ad comes on just before the movie starts! He begins quarrelling with another patron near him. Jerry hears the argument and hangs up. Yikes! <laughs> Elaine and Putty are arguing in the kitchen when she sees Jerry calling. Elaine says, I'm calling that marriage counsellor. We're going back there. Hang on just a minute. Someone's calling me. Hey, Jer. 
Jerry tells her about what he told George, but Elaine is hesitant to go as she doesn't want to be away from Brandon, her son, for too long. Jerry decides to put a compromise to her. Elaine, we've been friends for nearly 40 years, and I know you've had a hard time with being fired and all, but I'd love you for you to join us. How about this? Why don't you come just to Berlin over the weekend on my jet, and then you can fly back a couple of days later on another flight home that I'll pay for. Elaine runs this by Putty. Jerry adds that he will pay for a sit-in nanny for that weekend if David is too busy to look after their son. David says, Yeah, I think you need this holiday, babe. Brad and I will be fine here. We won't need a nanny. Have fun. Elaine accepts the offer and tells Jerry that they won't need a nanny. You remember what happened with the last one. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a deal. There's a writer friend of mine who lives in Berlin. I'd love to see him again. I haven't seen him in years. Is that that Herman guy you bring up once in a while? <laughs> yeah, Herman Muller, yeah. Uh, so will my ticket be in first class? Jerry sighs. Sure. Thank you, Jerry. She hangs up the phone and continues arguing with Putty. I'm booking an appointment for next week. I love you, David, but I can't stand being around you these days. Well, maybe I can't stand being around you. Going to be a relaxing weekend for me for sure. Elaine gasps and pushes Putty as she walks off. Two weeks later, the core four are on the runway ready to board their private jet. An attendant takes their luggage and stores it in the back of the plane. Boy, this feels very familiar, doesn't it? You don't have any water stuck in your ear like last time? You know, Jerry, David and I went back to our marriage council last week. Not looking forward to the return trip home. At least you'll be going back in first class. Right, Elaine? Jerry gives Kramer a look as Kramer pats her on the back and smiles. I can't believe that I got kicked out of the theater. Apparently the usher agreed with the other guy about the phone etiquette while the trailers are playing. What a sick, sick world it is when you can't even talk while things no one pays attention to are being played. It's not like I'm having a good yak in the third act of the feature, you know? You still going on about that? That's a shame. Jerry's manager, Russell, and a couple of assistants arrive on the runway. The driver opens the door, and they all get out to greet the four of them. Russell says, Elaine, Cosmo, George, lovely to see all three of you again. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Russell. The pilot walks out of the plane to tell them that they're all free to board. They make their way inside. The plane's interior looks remarkably similar to the one that they were in on that fateful day back in 1998. Very familiar indeed. <laughs> The morning after resting in their hotel rooms after their very long flight, the core four are in the streets of Berlin in wonderment of what is around. Jerry says that he has a media junket to promote his tour very soon as his first gig will be that evening. Elaine is attempting to hail a cab to go see her fellow rider friend, and Kramer and George decide to go together to the Brandenburg Gate. They all agree to meet back at the hotel for dinner and to go see Jerry at his gig. Kramer is jumping up and down with his head tilted as the other three look at him. Why are you jumping up and down like that? I think I have some water stuck in my ear from the pool last night. Oh no, not this again. Apparently the Brandenburg Gate is one of the most popular landmarks in Berlin. Why would I want to look at a gate for? Elaine looks shocked as she has her hand raised trying to hail a cab. Because it has history, George. Don't you understand anything about history? George fires back with a heated response. I like reading baseball history. I guess that's something. Jerry breaks them up and tells them to take it easy as they're on holiday, as Kramer is still jumping up and down with his head tilted. Jerry's car arrives to come get him to take him to the media junket. Stay out of trouble, you three. Moments later, a cab pulls up to take Elaine to her friend's house. She gently slaps George on the forehead as she gets in the car. Ow. Try and learn something on this trip, George, alright? Stay out of trouble, you two. 
Kramer and George look at each other for a moment before making their way to the iconic landmark. This water just won't come out! Ugh. You ready to head over there, buddy? It's only about a 15 minute walk. Fine, we'll go see the gate. George and Kramer make it to the Brandenburg Gate as Kramer stares at it in awe. Yeah, it looks okay, I guess. They walk through the arch, which has a huge crowd. Kramer is still trying to get the water out of his ear despite being shoulder to shoulder with everyone. As they leave the crowd, Kramer does one big jump and hears someone groaning when he lands. Oh, mine force! A bearded man with sunglasses, shoulder length hair and a baseball cap holds his foot with his hand as Kramer and George look at the man in shock. Kramer immediately apologises and tries to explain why he is doing it. Oh, typical Americans. Then put something in your ear and try to get it out. You Americans think you own the world. We Germans do not tolerate such an attitude. Kramer becomes agitated as George tries to calm the situation down. The Berlin man doesn't relent as the crowd watch on. The Berlin man steps on Kramer's foot and he reacts to it by jumping. Local police turn up to defuse the situation. The policewoman says, Okay, you three, you're coming with us. But, but, but I, I, I didn't do anything. They all get put into the back of a police car as Kramer and Berlin man glare at each other. George is in the middle of them wondering why he had to go to the Brandenburg Gate. I knew it wasn't worth going to it. History schmistry. Jerry is sitting at the press conference table with Russell and other associates fielding questions from journalists from all around the world. The first journalist says, Jerry, you have basically become a staple in American culture and especially in stand-up comedy and television. How do you think European audiences will react to your observational style of humor? Well, I guess like other countries where I'm popular, observational humor really resonates, as many things I make jokes about relate to people's everyday lives. I'm sure the wonderful European audience will get the humor and uh, enjoy it as well. The second journalist says, Now Jerry, you were once accused of being an anti-French for your actions during Les Miserables, before apologizing for what happens. There are still some people in Western Europe who feel that your apology was, uh, how do you say in uh, English, a bit, uh, shall we say, watered down? Do you think this may have an impact on you winning uh, more, how, how do you say, uh, fans of your comedy in Europe? Jerry looks at Russell for a moment as he's unsure how to answer the question. Russell makes a comment. Now, I have a lot of confidence in Jerry, and I'm sure he can answer that succinctly. Go ahead, Jerry. Jerry says that what happened at the theatre was a mistake, and that he regrets laughing during a sad scene in the performance. He says that he hopes to make amends with the Western European community by providing them with laughter. The journalists all nod their heads in agreement. Russell says that Jerry will take no further questions, and they walk out of the press conference. Journalists are scrambling, trying to get their questions answered. Russell and Jerry walk into the adjacent room as a security guard shuts the door. Now that was mighty nice work, Jerry. You handled that real well. I'm sure they're going to love you in Berlin tonight. It's going to be a packed auditorium. 3,000 plus, from what Ticken had told me. Every seat is going to be filled. Ah, uh, 3,000 is nothing. I can perform to a crowd like that with my eyes closed. Should be a great gig anyhow. <laughs> Elaine is at the front door of Herman Mueller's apartment building as she rings the doorbell. An elderly man with round glasses greets her and gives her a hug. Herman says, Ah, Elaine, willkommen, willkommen. So lovely to see you again after all this time. 
It's nice to see you too, Herman. They walk into his apartment and Elaine admires the old style decor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many years of collecting things has made my home the way it is and I'm glad you like it. Herman goes to the kitchen to make tea as Elaine sits on the couch. She looks at and touches some of the things on display in the living room. Herman returns with tea and biscuits. They sit down and reminisce about the old days. Uh, I remember when I came to Europe in 2001 after my prison sentence. I didn't know anyone. After I stayed in Berlin for a month or so, I met you in a public library of all places. You were so kind to me, Herman. Well, you fell on hard times. And as you were a fellow writer, I knew that we would become good friends. Elaine smiles and laughs as she sips her tea. They briefly discuss each other's literature and about their writing processes before Herman asks how long she'll be in Berlin. Elaine says only for another couple of days as she has a husband and son back home. Yeah, yeah, David and Brandon. You've told me about them. Anyway, uh, just give me a minute. Herman walks off to the bathroom as Elaine continues to look at more items in the room. She spots a desk drawer which is slightly ajar. She opens it to reveal a small journal on top of a pile of papers. She looks around before opening it. She is shocked when she reads a couple of pages. Herman used a ghostwriter for his work? Kramer is in the interrogation room at the police station as he's trying to get the water out of his ear. An officer walks in and sits down. Where's George? The officer says, He's waiting in the foyer. We will let him go. We were told by the other gentleman that you called him a Kraut before he stepped on his foot and left. Is this correct? Kramer denies this and says that it was an accident. He explains the water in the ear situation. Then why don't you just put something in there and try and get it out? That's exactly what that guy said. Kramer asks the officer to contact Jerry Seinfeld as he's traveling with him on his European tour. Jerry Seinfeld? That man hates Europeans. Why would you be friends with someone like him? Kramer begs him to be released. He breaks down much like he did when he was questioned by detectives in Los Angeles when he was mistaken for the smog strangler all those years ago. As I'm sure you understand, Mr. Cosmo, I'm afraid we take assault very seriously in this city, especially if prejudice is involved. You could get into big trouble. As Kramer becomes even more upset, another policeman walks in and says something in German to the officer. Kramer is confused as to what is happening as the policeman leaves the room. The officer turns back to Kramer with a smile on his face. That man whose foot you stepped on? Turns out he is a high-flying con man from the UK who has been on the run. Scotland Yard and Interpol have been trying to find him for many years. He was in disguise when we caught you all. So the city of Berlin thanks you for your service. You are now free to go, Mr. Cosmo. Kramer is shocked as he walks out. He walks to the foyer where he sees George on his phone. Kramer explains what the officer told him just before. I just called Jerry about what happened. I told him we're both alright. My god, was he a con man? A rabid con man! So I guess uh, we're like Batman and Robin, huh? Fighting crime and all that? Kramer is still trying to get the water out of his ear as the con man who is handcuffed and being escorted by police walks past them. His beard, wig and other items used for disguise have been removed to reveal a bald man with a clean-shaven face. His accent changes to his natural British one. I almost got away with it. Damn you, American. George suggests that they should go back to the hotel. Kramer agrees. Herman, I, I'm, I'm shocked. You hired a ghostwriter for all of your work? Elaine, you don't understand. Elaine is confronting Herman about what she discovered in his journal. Herman is asking her why he looked through his desk drawers. Well, the, the desk drawer was ajar. I thought I'd find another cool antique in there. Oh, Elaine, I was never a good writer. 
I couldn't even write a children's book. I only pretended to be an accomplished writer on my own terms, so I could sleep with you, even though I never succeeded after so many attempts. That is disgusting! You tried to take advantage of me while my life wasn't going so well? You are a pig of a man. Elaine is heading out the front door as Herman begs her to come back. She tells him where to stick it as she slams the door. God, I had a feeling there was something going on with him. <laughs> Jerry is performing his gig in front of a packed crowd in the auditorium and is, is going swimmingly. The crowd is laughing at all his jokes and are cheering. The other three are in the front row cheering Jerry on as well. It's been such a great day. Kramer and I accidentally put away a con man. Elaine called out a phony writer. And Jerry's killing it as always on stage. Well, I certainly won't be chatting to strange men in libraries ever again, that's for sure. Also, the water in my ear is gone. The crowd are having a great time as Jerry nears the end of his set. He becomes so confident that he says an unplanned joke that he should have saved for another audience. You know when you see people on their cell phones and they're going through their contacts list with their finger like this, looking like a gay French king? He mimes holding a phone in one hand while flamboyantly using his index finger on his other hand to scroll through. Crowd goes silent and moments later begin to boo him. The other three are all in shock at what he just said. An audience member screams out to Jerry saying that he really is anti-French. Another says that he probably hates German people too. No, you don't understand. The crowd throws things at Jerry as he runs off the stage, shielding himself from getting hit. Oh boy, tough crowd. The call four are in the limo an hour later heading back to the airport as Jerry cancels the rest of his tour. He's also presented in a negative light in the European media. Surely I can never show my face in Europe again. Kramer is watching a news report on his phone about the con man they unknowingly had arrested. That is incredible what you two did. Yeah, Kramer and I like Batman and Robin fighting crime. I'd say you're more like Penguin, George. The others laugh as George is embarrassed. At least I get to travel with you three all the way home. First class will have to wait another day, right Jerry? She smiles as she looks at him. Jerry isn't in the mood to be playful. So Herman was a pervert, huh? Ugh, I don't want to speak about that man ever again. I felt very taken advantage of. As they're pulling up to the private section of the airport, a crowd is there with signs booing Jerry. They gather around the limo and start trying to lift it. Remind me never to come to this continent ever again. You got it, buddy. <laughs> And that's the episode. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Another bottleneck episode. Works out well for everyone but Jerry. Indeed. And uh, next episode, episode nine is called The Coughing. And um, originally when we did season 11, we decided because we we wrote these when COVID was just beginning, the whole pandemic started. We wanted to kind of leave COVID out of it. But we realized because COVID has pervaded our lives for so long in the last year or so, we thought let's do the last two episodes as like a semi two-parter and it's about COVID. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's defined everything in the last year. So uh, it may as well define the last two episodes of season 11. Yeah. It's not going to be done in a mocking way. Obviously, COVID has affected a lot of people's lives. Of course. Um, in all sorts of ways. So it, it won't be disrespectful. But uh, hopefully, you know, we can take something that is serious and that is horrible for so many people and, you know, add a bit of uh, levity to it. Yeah, it'd be more like if George, like if the core four existed in this world and they had COVID or, you know, they were involved in the in the pandemic, how they would react in certain situations. Yeah. It's would, more about them more than the virus. Yeah, the virus is just part of the storyline. It's not uh, the butt of jokes. That's right. And no one dies, so spoilers. <laughs> so yep. there's no, no tragedies or anything like that. But yeah, I hope you enjoy the final two episodes. If you are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, you get this 
episode several weeks ahead of everyone else. And uh, you can listen to this episode, yeah, basically before everyone else. And you'll hear the remaining two episodes way before everyone. That's right. And make sure you check out a normal podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us financially on Patreon, which uh, you're probably listening to already. If not, then yeah, go to our Patreon, PayPal. Uh, we also run Seinfeldisms, which is a massive Facebook group, biggest online community of uh, Seinfeld fans. So check out all those details in the show notes. And if you want to reach out to us, all our links are in the show notes. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we'll catch you next week for Season 11, Episode 9, The Coughing. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thank <laughs> you.